Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Matty Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. There is a podcast that is a world unto itself. A podcast as boundless as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the place between light and shadow. Science Science and superstition. superstition. We've entered. The Fifth Dimension. The latest series from the Consequence Podcast Network will open the door into Jordan Peele's new revival of The Twilight Zone, and it will go as far as the limits of the mind itself. Subscribe to The Fifth Dimension. Consequence Podcast Network. to all of you beautiful pod people out there. I'm your host, Leo Phillips, and this is another edition of This Must Be The Gig. It's your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Each and every single week, I bring you a fascinating conversation from the beating heart of the live music and performance scene. And what that means is really chatting to musicians about what makes them tick on tour, festival founders about why they curate certain lineups they curate, choreographers, comedians about their favorite concerts and performances, and actors. really anyone obsessed with performance in the way that we are over here but before we get into this week's episode let's check in with our constant companion here at tmbtg studios engineer adam hello hey how was your week it's starting to get chilly in Chicago. Oh my gosh, don't say it. Don't say it's it. It's nearing. It's the, oh, no. the end. I can't handle it. Maybe it's the end of summer festival season, but I am not finished. We've got lots of festivals to still cover this year, which we will tell you more about in the oncoming weeks. Uh, we at TMBTG love hitting as many festivals as possible, so we're kind of sad to see it all go, but... We are also spoiled 
because there's so many new releases. Just oh in the gosh. last week, we've had non-stoppers. Uh, do you want to start? I'm like scared to Scott. Whoa. I'm scared to Scott. I'm scared to... <laughs> oh, thank God I didn't say the other one. I'm scared to start because it would seem as though we are on, on an analog system. Oh, I know. Setting a list we could talk in in hyperspeed and still sound like it would take two hours to list all of these. It's incredible. no, I meant that then in order it would come across then that we're prioritizing. I know, but I'm adding by to sheer that. listing. I'm adding to that by saying there are just so many. If we wanted to try to list them all, okay, then let's just do it. Well, Rip off the band aid. First and foremost, former guest Kazumikino oh, of Blonde she's Redhead, so her debut album this. Friday. We actually spoke to her about this very album. Remember when exactly. she was just writing it. So you better go listen to that episode a few back. Mm-hmm. We'll drop the link for you. Plus, we've also got new albums from one of my favorites, Metronomy. Another one of my favorites, Devendra Banart, who's going to be on the podcast in the next few weeks. <gasps> we've got Charlie XCX, Pixies, uh, Chelsea Wolf. There's another new album this week. From Mike Patton, who I don't want to set off the proverbial spoiler alerts, but uh, we have a Mr. Mike Patton, the legend, on our podcast next week. So be uh, ready. I mean, I don't even know. How can you get ready for that? There's no way to prepare for that. It was mind-blowing, that conversation. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, So I don't know what else to tell you, but just subscribe and stay tuned because you've you're kind of spoiled now, aren't you, invisible listener? <laughs> hey? We're like the primer to the world of new music. Oh, yeah. I think that sounds much more fancy when you say. <laughs> Next, let's dig into our latest feature that we've been handling here at TMBTG Studios. I love it when you say handling. Handling. It was a, a, a rare animal. Ah, uh, yes. That we need to coach. The majestic live show. The live show of the week. Ding, ding, ding. Each week, we highlight one of the most heart-thumping events we could find in the world of live music for that accompanying week, and we share it with you, our pod people out there. But we're not sharing it because we think you don't know about it. We're sharing it because just in case your very busy lives have been suctioning your brains and the stress has gotten to you. In case you missed the ticket we know link, you're maybe. Clever. You know, we know, sometimes you're that happens. Yeah. So for this week's live show of the week, we're looking at Casey Musgraves at the Rockland Trust Bank Pavilion in Boston, Ooh, Massachusetts. M-A-S-S-A-C-H-U-S-S-E-T-T-S. Oh my gosh. On Thursday, September 12th. I don't know if I could spell Massachusetts. I love Casey Musgraves, and I haven't gotten to see her latest tour, so I'd be at this show instead of you if I could go. So feel guilt if you do not go. <laughs> that is what we do here. We press guilt onto your faces and hearts and ears and minds. So Golden Hour last year, that was beloved, thrilling, won Grammy for Album of the Year, mm-hmm. correct? I always mix up Grammy for Album of the Year and Record of the Year, but this was Album of the Year. Mm-hmm. So... And that record really defined her charm, her really magnetic appeal. And I, do you remember, did you see that video a few, like a month or so ago where she was playing Simon Says with one oh, of her festival crowds? Yeah, and it was like, she's yeah, oh man, nuts. just so much fun. Well, we chatted a little bit to Natalie Press about touring with her as oh, well. Yeah. So if you also want to listen back to that episode, I mean, how's this callback? 
we're getting to the point in our in our career in our in our <laughs> pod live in our tenure yeah that uh, we can call back some amazing episodes uh so if you want to get in on the excitement of casey musgraves at the rockland trust bank pavilion the best way to do that to get tickets to that show or any other, head over to StubHub via cosradio.lv slash StubHub. That's c-o-s-r-a-d-i-o dot l-v slash s-t-u-b-h-u-b. To find the best selection of tickets to the hottest shows, that's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. S-T-U-B-H-U-B. <laughs> we love StubHub over here. We, we just love... bought basketball tickets We the love other spelling, day. too. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I love StubHub. Anyway, I want to send this little challenge out to our listeners. So, basically, what we want to know is what your favorite venue is. And, of course... The best way to let us know is through a five-star review. But we want you to, we, we want you to think outside of your not only homes, because we understand your couch is probably a fantastic entertainment portal, but <laughs> we want to know all over the world if you've stumbled upon a little cafe in the middle of Reykjavik or walked the streets of Tel Aviv and found a cool coffee shop that you love, just let us know. We, we're trying to gather. This is basically a little uh, quantitative research. It's a we survey. It's a survey that we are not allowed to do, but are doing anyway. And of course, the best way to do that, again, as Lior said, was to head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, subscribe, rate, and then leave it as a five-star review. Because it makes a big difference for us and also we get to know more about you. So let's return the attention to this week's very, very wonderful chat. You may know this week's guest for his hair or more specifically for being the hair. That's right. This week we have an incredible conversation with Joe Carey, whom you may know for his work as Steve, the hair Harrington on Stranger Things. A little show probably nobody has seen or watched or spoken about or bought little insignia no from, Pops. Uh, from Target. But what you do need to know this second is that Joe is also on the verge of releasing his very first solo album under the moniker Joe. That's D-J-O. And if anybody has followed any of our Twitters, they know that we are uh, big Stranger Things fans from the get-go. Specifically... Uh, a pal that I follow on Instagram. His name is Tim Ives, who's the cinematographer of Stranger Things. I followed him for many, many years. You should go and follow him. He has many followers. If you don't feel like following him, you can follow me, but follow him. He has amazing behind-the-scenes things of Stranger Things. Before he was one of the stars of Stranger Things, Joe was a member of the fiery psychedelic outfit Post Animal back during his time when mm-hmm. he was here in our beautiful home of Chicago. Yeah, you probably got to see them a few times. I did, definitely. Yeah. And also, fun fact, yeah. Joe was an uh, acting student at my alma mater, oh, DePaul wow. University. Oh. So we basically no are like best other. pals, basically. <laughs> uh, but after sadly having to take leave from Post Animal, once he moved to L.A., Joe's found a new way to express that swirling, psychedelic musical magic. Mm-hmm, that you'll hear on of, the record. In the form of Joe. And the record, his debut record, is called 2020. It's got a similar uh, sort of alchemical groove, let's say. And you get to hear the entire record in just two days on September 13th. 
Friday the 13th. What a good release date. <laughs> and also in this chat, Joe and I get to talk about 2020, uh, why it's called that, and uh, also how he kept himself connected to music while on sets, because that's always a question that we all have to ask. When does creativity strike? And it's very, very fascinating how it uh, how it evolved. And also going to his first concert with his parents, which you need to listen to the episode to figure out what that is. How Gorillaz and Daft Punk inspires upcoming live shows. And how he met his post-animal bandmates at a show here in Chicago. I will also not be divulging who that band is. You'll have to listen. So, let us not be delayed. This is me and Joe Keery having a chat. Enjoy! The mastering I finished about a year ago, so it's been done for a, for a, quite a, quite a long while. So I'm feeling really excited to kind of get it out and sort of clean the closet and get get working on some new stuff. Are you someone though who needs to stop working in order to write new music? Because since your role, you know, in Stranger Things and then upcoming movies and all the press that you've been doing, it feels like you kind of haven't stopped going so did did you have to stop or were you able to do things all at once totally able to um i pretty much recorded and wrote the majority of the stuff that's on the record while i was actually shooting the second season when when, when you're shooting especially on such a large ensemble show there's actually a fair amount of downtime so Mm -hmm. um i was able to kind of you know harness the time that i had free and sort of uh I was living in a new city and um, kind of just drove all my gear down and loaded it into my apartment. And then whenever I would have days off, I would kind of just sort of shut myself in and just sort of try to focus on uh, on recording. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm able to find the time. Uh, and sometimes I feel like with most artistic stuff, when you're the ideas usually come when you're not really focusing on it and right. you're kind of doing, some, doing something else. So I just make sure to always have some sort of way to, you know, record record an idea or write something down and then usually i'll just kind of compile those and then when i have a chunk of time i'll try to sit down and sort of work some stuff out right so you're not like precious with it because there's a lot of artists obviously over the years and years of me doing this people have different modes that they kind of stoke that fire some of them squirrel away into the caves (laughs) into the forest and others you know can't work in studios others need people around them others need to be completely in solitude so that's quite interesting that you were able to find those little pockets of time and you kind of weren't precious about it i think that that's really that's quite fascinating yeah i think i think i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that i just am trying to i'm kind of approaching the whole thing from uh you know i'm I'm obviously trying to write music i i guess maybe the music sort of informs the meaning rather than the other way around i'm not i'm not I didn't necessarily go into the recording and stuff with this grand idea that I was trying to get across. I just Mm kind of was writing music that I thought was interesting or pursuing ideas that I thought were sort of different. Mm -hmm. And then kind of, you know, as you're kind of filling in the 
the blanks of, you know, what would be good for this track or whatever, you kind of start to see a bigger picture in the whole, in the whole thing. So maybe the, the reason I'm able to do it is because, uh, at least this round I was able to do it is because of that. Um, next round, who knows? Maybe the whole, <laughs> maybe the whole, uh, maybe the whole, tortured artist <laughs> will find yeah. you will find you on the yeah. top of a hill screaming on your yeah. own with like an Enrique yeah. Iglesias music video <laughs> like exactly. right be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you won't hear from me for years but I'll I be, mean yeah. I do but I, to, to be honest I do believe that those uh, little mediums the little practices I'm sure that they ch- shift and change because totally. I, I think like what what I'm wondering is really are there certain things that you come back to again and again when you're needing to be inspired? Because obviously being on set with such an ensemble, I'm sure inspiration is around you, but it isn't something that you personally create alone, right? So is there, what are the things that you turn to to make sure that your brain's kind of fizzling constantly? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, I'd say it's like doing anything that... Um, uh, I, I guess like learning new things and sort of, uh, reading about new things and, uh, kind of just experiencing sort of life. It sounds kind of lame, but experiencing life and kind of getting away from, you know, the things mm-hmm. that, you know, watching movies or listening to music that I haven't heard before, or, you know, different art forms or just mm-hmm. reading or, you know, I usually find that I have kind of this long document of, just kind of inspirational words right it's like little phrases or something like that's a really interesting phrase i do it too yeah it's like i was listening to um the radio and some there was some a geologist talking about how um our our for the past you know 100 years there's been this uh or i guess since world war ii there's this evolution of you know massive amounts of plastic Mm -hmm. and how basically geologists you know will be able to define our generation by seeing where the level of plastic has started to form in the ocean. So oh, wow. I think the woman said plastic age, I think was one of them. She said, oh, I just God. thought, man, that's like such a cool, what, I mean, obviously it's a horrible thing, but like what a cool <laughs> phrase. You know, oh my God, global the, you know. warming. Amazing. Yeah. No, but I <laughs> yeah. totally understand what you mean, but is yeah, I suppose, uh, I suppose that also picking things up that kind of pique your interest is something that is also a little bit of like a self-documentary style thing because I don't know about you, but like I had one coffee today and I was like bouncing because there was just so much information. There's so many albums out today. There's And yeah. so I, I write things down almost because otherwise I'm worried it just will be lost in time, like for, oh, forever. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like I'm compulsively writing stuff down because I'm always afraid that you know, I mean, I've had a couple of occasions where I'm sure you experienced the same thing where you, you have a thought or, or yeah. I, I had a dream where I was explaining uh, a movie idea that I had to my sister. It was when I was abroad. It was, I was explaining to my sister, my girlfriend and her boyfriend. Yeah. And then I woke up and was couldn't remember what the idea was. But in the dream, it was like I had unlocked the key <laughs> to like the perfect idea. And then I could not think of it. So oh. yeah, I'm kind of compulsively doing that sort of stuff just to sort of counteract that feeling. Don't you wish that there was something attached, like suctioning our brains during dreams that when you wake up, you can kind of read it like a script. I always think yeah, of totally. that because when I totally. wake up, I'm just- like, fuck, that was crazy. And then my husband's like, what? 
And then for literally yeah. a second, I'm like, the birds are tweeting and then it's all gone. It's like every yeah, idea it, is gone. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I've, I've talked to uh, in school, a lot of people would do dream journals. And I guess yes. like, the more you're sort of cognitively thinking about it directly after when you wake up, I guess it's easier to sort of tap into what, yeah. what it was. I, I, I feel exactly the same way. I don't know if I have the time for a dream journal. I feel like, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> although like in spirit, it sounds so beautiful and romantic. I'm just not sure. I don't know. I'll lose it. I'll tear it. I'll drop some food on it. I don't know. I'm just not that put together, you know? <laughs> totally. Also sleeping in. I love sleeping oh, in. Right. So like I, you Fuck. Know. Sleeping. When was the last time you slept in? I don't even know the last time I did that. Don't don't make you know, me jealous. With, with, with our schedule, it's kind of weird. Sometimes you'll be like getting up so early for you know, mm. a, 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 but then you know you're flying places and then you you just kind of have you, the schedule is so erratic. Where I feel like you know I, I I've slept in recently, luckily luckily enough. But you know, damn you, damn, damn me, you. I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so weirdly, like just thinking now, obviously with acting and with playing music, and I'm sure you do many other things that we aren't aware of we as in I don't know why I'm saying we because it's just me in the studio <laughs> but things that I am not aware of but these vocations feel kind of connected the overall aesthetic system for like a creative world I suppose is similar so you obviously did music first but then was performing always something that you wanted to do irrespective of whether it was through music through you know tv or film i was pretty interested in both sort of mediums from a pretty early age i uh just kind of was i'd say maybe spent more time focusing on theater which is pretty much what i did when i was younger i just would do all the plays and do the lights and sound and and video and stuff but um i was you know, since kind of grade school, really interested in music and, you know, more specifically the drums and guitar. I just really enjoyed music and, you know, I've just was kind of attracted to it. And then I think my real, like the, 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 the thing that I really most enjoy about it is the recording process and the arrangement, mm. because I'm not necessarily like a, a trained or classically trained musician, but I, what I really just enjoy is just thinking um, trying to mesh different parts together, which is kind of how I sort mm. of got into playing various inter- instruments and stuff is just by sort of a need to, you know, a, a need just, I kind of, I would have a, I would have a guitar part and thought, man, I should, you know, and just kind of just started just by being interested in it. And so I guess it's always kind of come hand in hand where if the recording side of of uh, you you get a real sense of control and you Mm. can kind of you which is kind of the exact opposite of acting acting is you're 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 a tiny gear in this massive machine right and so from this other vantage point i can kind of you know have have a little slice of control that i wouldn't necessarily get in uh side, and that to me is really fulfilling to to be able to see something through from beginning to end Um, you're right that acting is I suppose a little gear whereas music you can be a part of every single stage of it and it has so many you know we're talking right at the beginning where you've already been 
you know, working on this for a year and then it's, you know, you got to record it, write, record, then mix it, then release it. Now you're talking about it, then it's going to be out in the world and then it's going to take on a whole new shape because, you know, exactly, yeah. people are going to, yeah. people are going to do with it what they please, you know, it's like you yeah. can't control that bit, but that's interesting. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. It's like the act. It's like, you know, if, if a TV show is like an album, the actors are like the studio musicians playing all the instruments <laughs> in the album, yes. but then the director of the album, you know, the director is more of like the producer of the record. So it's kind of like if you, you, you I guess that's sort of more recently how I kind of have thought about or rationalized it. Mm. Yeah, it's not easy, I suppose, when you're so in it and then you suddenly have to be like yanked out of that, you know, little slice of heaven of just being in the music and then you have to reflect on it which i can imagine is quite tricky to do sometimes um sure. but then was music always a part of your family life growing up yeah definitely my parents are both not musicians necessarily themselves mm. but they both have a love for music and play a lot of music in the house and ah. my uh my, my older sister uh was super super into the Beatles and mm-hmm. she kind of got, got me into the Beatles at a young age and uh so I yeah that was kind of the first band that I remember being like recognizing that like oh yeah this is a Beatles song like and I think that that that's true of many uh of many people I find you know that's just like such a touchstone for mm, so many it's so accessible yeah I mean it's, I can hear yeah. that influence on the album definitely there's some obviously um there's some songs like uh, flash mountain i mean flash mountain is great but that's kind of proggy and psych rocky and mm-hmm. um there's just a lot i don't know there's a lot that i felt i could hear some of the influences and obviously you do some incredibly interesting things with your vocal but when you were a teenager then who did you fantasize yourself as being like if you could have been in a band you know did you ever think oh fuck i wish i could that's you know I would be part of that band. I really loved the Strokes when I was a teenager. Ah, that was like my favorite. Oh my yeah. god, me too. Fuck, they're yeah, amazing. Had, the, the Strokes have like a real romantic sensibility about them. They're just kind of like the picturesque, perfect rock band. And for for a while, I just there's something so simple about all their music. But they just like you know just kind of like the Beatles or kind of like you know Nirvana. They have a real pop sensibility to them which i enjoy and i think Mm. that in movies and in music it's so important to ride the line between um commercial and then also artistic because sure you know i think you really want to be able to kind of access both of those sides and that's something those are the things that i always find are most powerful to me like star wars it's a really commercial it's a a big movie like indiana jones it's a massive movie Mm. that has a lot of commercial appeal but then it also has this kind of critical success and people i feel like those are the projects that people have like a real adoration for and the the projects that i have real adoration for so you know that's kind of one of the reasons why the strokes were kind of important band to me because they had this massive following but also it was like just this brainchild of Julian Casablanca. That was just this, like, you know, he dreamed of it as this kind of you know, velvet underground esque television esque underground band that didn't need that main massive success to be considered, you know, 
popular. Yeah. So. I mean, he's, he, I had Alban Haven Jr. on the show. He had a solo record come awesome. out last year. And just, uh, you know, also looking at their history, it's, it's one of those, they like, they just come from an era that you feel you wish you could have been a part of. Like, it just feels so much cooler <laughs> from looking out, you know, from looking, totally. looking in. And uh, Julian is phenomenal live, whether it's in the voids or, uh, you know, strokes. I feel like he's just, I saw him last year. I shot him in Iceland for a festival there and he was at most of the other people, the other bands on the bill. He was at their shows, like in the front row, which I couldn't believe. I was sitting there looking through my photos and thinking, oh, Julian Casablancas is right there. Nobody, no one was saying anything. He was just standing, like he's a fan as well, which I think can really influence someone's music you know when you're not living in this like silo where the crux is is kind of that you're like never satisfied with the last thing that you did and always feel like right you're you're striving to do the better thing and you're a hack and you're you gotta prove yourself and you know so that's sort of the fuel to the fire and i think if you get sort of content and complacent with the stuff that you've already done that's kind of when you that hunger yeah and i like that you bring that up because a lot of people don't really touch on that they just think that they have these gigantic teams that make the you know cogs go and the truth is is that if you don't have that passion i don't know but i can hear it sometimes like you put on a record and you could just hear the bullshit like dripping you know (laughs) and and i feel like especially on your album what was interesting, I think, for people who obviously didn't know your history with Post Animal and with music, your new record seemed kind of out the blue. You know, it caught people by surprise, which I think mm-hmm. is quite is quite a good place to start from. I don't know. It just seems like there is something that you are, you know, you've worked in kind of many different shades musically and like that soft psychedelia kind of graphic indie rock feels very indicative for the entire album. And that you could really hear that there was experimentation going on, which I think is really important. You know, if you're going to be releasing anything, why not just show that you are having fun, you know? Totally. So it really comes across. um, So what was then, so obviously growing up, loving the Beatles, loving the Strokes, what was your first concert that you ever went to? With uh, I went with my parents to see Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. What? Oh my god! Yeah. Me the and my whole family band? actually. Ah. It was awesome. I love <laughs> the boss man. He he, I think is such a prolific producer of content and just constantly reinventing himself, especially with his most recent record. He just is like a guy who is uh, really connected to the music that he creates and. Uh, so I, I, although I probably didn't really appreciate it at the time, um, it was such a cool first show to go to. Um, the one thing I do, uh, I definitely remember is that he played for, I don't know, like three and a half hours or something insane. Just a massive <laughs> set. He had a huge band, and I think it was, it was a Seeger session. So he, he had all this kind of like great um, kind of bluegrass uh all these other players and he played stuff from his old records and and especially because there's so much of what he does is so connected to the audience like i feel like none of it is is uh 100%. it's private obviously it's about his life but you never feel like you're standing on the outside which i think is the funny line which we kind of touched on a bit earlier 
that's the line like bringing people in as opposed to shutting everybody out and then expecting them to just you know fill in the blanks I think that's so important I don't know if that's a trend now that we're needing for people to be more like open and vulnerable that we can understand you know um but the way that he does it is really I don't want to say the word yeah it's really unique and obviously it's like it's just so much fun there's nothing it's really kind of pure-hearted you know there's nothing kind of grimy and and gross and um but that's amazing so do you at all kind of looking back and obviously being part of the band like you were um and then choosing to take a different path do you have do you miss touring at all like did you did you enjoy that portion of your of your life on the road you know i look i look back on on my time with the band so fondly Mm. i i i you know, I think a lot of people often you look back on a time and especially when we were all kind of just waiting tables and working jobs and playing music and playing shows. And, you know, I, I kind of was phasing out of the band just as they were starting to really hit the, hit the ground running and tour. So I, I kind of missed out on some of that stuff. And I mean, I got to play shows here and there, but I think anybody though, you know, you look back on a time where you're sort of all, we all had a common goal and we were all working just for, you know, we just wanted to play anything. We didn't care about getting paid. We just wanted to play the shows and have people be into the music. So you always look back on those times with uh, very yeah. fondly. So I still think about, I think what I really miss most about that is just the, um, is the, there's something about the, the project that I'm doing now is mm. really, I, I, you know, I have, hundred percent control pretty much over the project at this point. And that was something right. that I kind of wanted to do going into it is like really just take my ideas and sort of see what I could do with them. But there is something so nice about um, a band in a very classical sense where it's a collaboration between six people. So it, that is really, um, although it's not really what this project is, that is something that I miss and really, and really love is when you find those people in your life who are, like-minded musicians and have similar tastes and have a drive to sort of to to make something better and just all try to sort of take an idea and and make something that you can really bang your heads to um i definitely miss you know that camaraderie i i would say most of all from that time so what did you then, when you started writing this and wanted to obviously pursue that little uh, that little full control uh, side of it and see what you could do, did you have any tendencies or formulas that you needed to work against? You know, coming from obviously ha- having that band around you, and I love the word camaraderie because I think it's so often people forget that there's actually just mates just playing music um yeah so was there anything that you had picked up almost from being in that band and then realized hang on that doesn't really fucking work here like i need to i need to cut that shit out and go this other route kind of yeah i think there were more more than anything what i really picked up from the band was some of the uh some of the when you're in a band you just kind of through other people began to discover music that you didn't really know about and begin to like develop these tastes that you didn't necessarily have before. Mm. So I think if anything, really the taste is what sort of wore off, you know, the way that everyone brings songs to the table is different sort of just depending on who the person is or maybe just the idea. 
but I kind of would consistently find that the ideas I was bringing um, were, I, I would demo them out on my computer the same way I demoed these songs out, where I would play most of the parts so I could really get a sense of what the song was. And that was actually something that was really hard about uh, working in a, in, a, in a band sense is that you don't want to dictate what other people are playing. So although I was, you know, writing some of these songs, I, I, I didn't want to have the final say. So mm-hmm. a lot of the ideas that I brought ended up getting workshopped and we would sort of figure, figure into, a new, uh, into a new way. But that also left me with the curiosity of what if I did what if I did a whole album that way where I, where I did have sort of complete autonomy over the sound and over what the parts were. And I guess that kind of, you know, the other, the other side kind of made me um, most of all, just curious about what, what I could sort of create on my own. Not that it was better or, or worse in any way, just that I was kind of curious about what it would be. Um, Yeah. You know, and having that curiosity, I suppose, can be completely liberating and also incredibly frightening. Um, oh, yeah. It's so frustrating too. Like, you, yeah, you 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 finally give yourself the leeway to sort of do what you want to do, and the something that I think is uh, so often overlooked in recording music is schedule. And uh, right, you just think you think that this you think that we were just, I was just talking about this with somebody, but, but Jerry, I think Jerry Seinfeld said inspiration is like a, is like a, like a mouse living in your house (laughs) and you, you you can't like actively go and find this mouse, but you'll, he'll just pop up somewhere and, you know, (laughs) these things will just sort of come to you and there's no planning it. But the, the best thing that you can do is kind of have this, have this schedule where if you have this free time, you're going to, you're going to sit down and sort of, work through these ideas that you've cataloged. So I kind of, that was sort of a, a, a challenge that I had to realize because it, it did, I did come from a place at first of, you know, you know, I was living in Chicago and I had, you know, a job and, and all these things I was working on, on this schedule in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I went down to shoot the show and I had a bunch of free time while I was shooting. There's so many ensemble members that I'd have, five days off and nothing to do and you know, didn't have a job while I was down there. So what I ended up doing is really just filling my time by trying to, by trying to write and, and record music. And, you know, yeah, I guess that uh, the schedule turned out to be one of the, one of the more challenging parts about it, which isn't something that you you'd think of when, no. you know, you're talking about recording. No, and also you don't think that it's something that you have to almost uh, look at like a muscle, you know, like training that little muscle in order to find that agenda, in order to focus. I suppose couldn't it's kind have said of it like, better myself. Yeah, it's like what we were chatting about earlier. It's like you, you, you waking up and uh, finding those ideas that you dreamt about, and then you're thinking yeah. like, oh shit, I need to. You, you know, if you're waking up with an agenda you you might be able to sit down and write first thing in the morning or things like that. But when you aren't in control of your own schedule, I can imagine then everything's just flying everywhere and you have to almost like pull it down from the sky, you know, like I'm gesturing right now. But, you know, like you've got to like pull, pull these little balloons down because sometimes that happens yeah. with a lot of creative people that I, I talk to within even dance and art you know in fine art there's just so many things happening and i think the test is when you are able to harness 
the right ideas for the right project at the right moment, you know? Yeah. And, and there's no better way to do that than just by, you know, I, there was a time where I just was, would say, you know, I'm not really feeling inspired. I kind of mm. need to wait for this to come, but I, you, I, I would say there's never a chance. There's never a time where you sit down to, to write or record and it could go horribly, but there's always at least one thing that you've learned or one thing that you've mm. written or one little thing and you know why not sit down and just do it just find that one thing today and it could be it could be a whole song comes out but you know to me it's worth it just to have that like one little step in right. the right direction just sitting you know? sitting down is like the first step to it it's, i mean that's totally, what they say totally. to writers like if you want to write just if you want to you know be good just write it's like it sounds so simple and then your brain is like but wait what is this maths equation i don't understand totally i mean especially now with all the distractions that we have with with, you know your computer and your phone and i find that like i even in the last three years i think there are more distractions than ever before so i i think really having discipline another Mm. word you know schedule and discipline is not necessarily (laughs) something you think about as like you know a a musician like Mm. that doesn't that's not something you think of but it, it truly is so important to have those things and uh that's kind of how you sort of keep the, the, the ball moving forward, I guess. Pause the podcast. Pause the podcast. Are you looking at a calendar full of great events but struggling to find tickets? StubHub's gotcha. Whatever your favorite band, team, or venue, StubHub is here to save the day with the best tickets for any budget. Whether you're looking for a seat at a Broadway show, tickets to the summer's big arena tour, or a night of cheering on your hometown team, StubHub has the seats you're looking for at the price you want to pay. Head to cosradio.lv StubHub or their user-friendly app to find tickets that are 100% guaranteed by FanProtect. StubHub's never sold out with the most shows, the most tickets, and the most fans. So head on over to cosradio.lv slash StubHub or the StubHub app. The best tickets to the best experiences in music, sports, and theater. That's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. And then talk to me a little bit about the messages, obviously, behind some of the things. I'm not going to tear them each apart because I think that's uh, not the best route to go. But, you know, many of your, your songs kind of managed to address, uh, how do I phrase this, like universal things, I suppose, without sounding too didactic. You know, a lot of people feel that urge now to get political. They feel the urge to really look inside and be very authentic and honest you know, and I kind of like that idea that the creative process is something that you, again, that side of it, you cannot really control. So how did you get to the point where you were writing in such a way that was, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to call it anything, but it kind of feels like I am reading, you know, just kind of the things that you were thinking of that day. It's very stream of conscious, you know, I don't know, maybe that's wrong. No, no, no. Yeah. I think you're totally right. I mean, so, like one of my biggest critiques of my own of my own music when I was doing it, I just felt like the way that I kind of went about it this time is that I really just wanted to uh, the first the, I, I would you know come up coming up with like a, a vocal melody or something like that. I would kind of come up with a vocal melody and sort of workshop different 
different words and different things and kind of the, the I guess the way that I it's almost like I would throw a million things at it and then I kind of would just go with what felt right I don't know if that sounds totally stupid no um, <laughs> nothing stupid here like, no I, I, totally I, I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily you know I wouldn't necessarily say this song is going to be out, uh, be about this. Right. I would, I would, I would, you know, say for like a different verse or, or I, I would just touch upon certain experiences that I was having in my life that ended up sort of falling into this theme of whatever the song would be. I, I my, my girlfriend is a big, uh, when I listen to music, I listen first and foremost to the actual to the music and the right. chords and just that's the, the thing that attracts me and for her it's lyrics right. and I actually learned I, I learned a lot from her uh kind of about my own lyrics after I had sort of written everything that's I kind of went back into my own thing and sort of you know made it made adjustments here and there and also just could kind of I, when I listen to my own lyrics I just I can pick out every single Every single reference and obviously every single every single line really does relate to something but but from from a perspective of you know anyone else i think it's vague enough where you can sort of apply your own meaning right which is and a lot yeah 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 yeah, absolutely. yeah a lot yeah, so, there was a couple of songs this also might sound kind of stupid i haven't really talked about this yet but there's a couple of you know the way that i would do it i would open up open up files and I would record bits here and there. And sometimes I, you know, would name the file something and I would record the entire song under this random, you know, right. just make up a word, make up yeah. a word for the song. And then sort of as I was recording and writing some of the songs, some of those names, I actually started to sort of apply these, you know, meanings to these words and they sort of took on a life of their own and became, became a meaning for something else. Um, I, I won't go get too deep into it, but like the song Roddy, what that word now means to me is totally writing that song has created the description for that word. Mm, mm, right. I get what you're saying, but are you, are you saying that just by process of, of fleshing out a few different ideas, words, not only within the context of the song, but the words became, had more meaning? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at yeah. like, I'm just thinking now, when you said that I was thinking of ten pole. And I don't know what the sequencing is going to be like on your final album, but uh, that that I think was first. That uh, that was the second one. The second first one. one called personal. Oh yeah, yes. that's the second one. <laughs> so there's that line where it says, "This is freaking me out, all of this attention," and that kind of struck stood out, obviously because that's an easy connection to make um, if one was listening to something made by you. You know that yeah. I, I, but again, I'm not sure what you're referring to in that. But it, the reason why it's a simple statement, it's not a simple, uh, it's not simply put, but it's a simple statement that kind of stood out because I, I think that a lot of people don't realize the lifestyle that you have to kind of implore very quickly when you're in Hollywood or entertainment industry, wh whatever side or arm you're part of, and that kind of was interesting because. It didn't really relate to 
in my head the word temple, <laughs> but I suppose you know it's got some meaning for you. I can imagine. That, that, definitely. I mean, the the name of the record I primarily for the better part of the whole year I thought was going to be Ten Pole Shangri La. I thought that that was kind of the title <laughs> track of the whole record. Actually, I thought so I was like, this sounds like something important. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just you know. It kind of, though, it has a very similar meaning, though, to 2020, which, you know, is hindsight, 2020, everything sort of, in, in retrospect, sort of seems seems a certain way. But at the time, it, everything, uh, you know, everyone, I guess it's like, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side is sort of the whole, the whole record is primarily about, you know, just change and things changing quickly and being nostalgic for another time and um kind of the triumphs and victories i guess of that change the, the, the ups and the downs of that and i guess tent pole that you know kind of takes that theme head on and in the most literal sense i guess lyrically as the songs all came together i kind of realized like i was pretty much just talking about what was going on in my life and how mm-hmm. I was feeling at the time. And that's sort of what the record is. And that's kind of what Ten Pulse Shangri La is. It's like this, it's the, uh, it's like a mirage in, you know, what is that? What, you know, what, what is it called? Like, like an, an oasis. Like an oasis. Yeah. Like an exactly. <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you see something in the, in, 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 you know, up ahead and you're going to it and you think it's going to be one thing. And then, you know, you get there and it's a not there. It's completely gone, and you turn around and the mirage is actually behind you the entire time. You know, it's that sort of feeling, I guess. Um, and the words "tentpole Shangri-La" is, I guess, my own, my own version of that. And and also the concept of bringing bringing out something which people already kind of imagined. Yes, I'm sure a lot of people can feel that. Okay you 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 know there's a lot of attention it can get probably quite suffocating but when you sing about it there's always this second level to it where somebody can relate it to their own lives in that we are constantly bombarded by everything as you said earlier and we we have to put this face out and this persona out to to the world um and I suppose you you get it quite easy because you get to play characters on the one side and then also mm-hmm. live this this life of kind of telling the quote unquote truth your truth in through music, which I think is yeah. kind of a very clever way to to deal with it. To be honest, like, why doesn't everybody just do that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know. You make it sound more clever than it is. I guess <laughs> I, I I think it's kind of like. Um, sort of become another uh the whole persona i guess behind the the record the whole you Mm -hmm. know the joe the different spelling of my own name and i had kind of a lot of different ideas for the release the whole thing is almost you know i don't want to say like another character but it's just like another side of right you know what everybody else might see and maybe something that's a yeah, it, it's kind of it's it's kind of fun to sort of put yourself in in the mindset of of, of a different character, I guess. Uh-huh. 
Of course. And I always wonder about the performance aspect versus the making aspect. Obviously, the performance in its own way is kind of making. You know, you're making the songs every day. And then when you're on stage, Uh they aren't these like static objects. So have you thought about what kind of persona you're going to have when you're getting on stage? Like, is there any sort of because obviously it's so different to the past projects you've done it just in sound just in feeling so what yeah. kind of ideas do you have that you're going to bring to the stage show yeah uh that's a great question too i um you know right now i have the, the luxury of being able to focus 100 percent of my energy pretty much on on pr- producing the, the live show right now and that's you know what I, what has been occupying my thoughts for the, for, for the past couple of months, and there are um, yeah, there are definitely infinite differences between this and and uh, and post animal uh, for me. I think I think a part of the um, the costuming will be pretty key on this, and I think um, also just making sure that um, I I, re- I yeah. Uh, I don't know how much I can actually say because I, I don't know how much will change. I don't want to necessarily tell you one thing and then it's that idea. It's like a complete. <laughs> I mean, just we, throw I tried it the out. Idea and yeah. <laughs> and people are like yeah. with pitchforks, like, what the fuck, bro? What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> <laughs> what the? No, I, I think so, something I really want to do is like um, some sort of uh, a uniform, I guess I'll leave it at that. Some okay. sort of. Uh, uniformity on stage because uh I, I yeah i think that the um i think that the music should be the centerpiece of what's going on and not necessarily you know me so i'd say um yeah i really love like the gorillas i really love daft punk um oh my God. and that kind of anonymity yeah so i think that maybe I'm trying to sort of uh, contemplate what would be the most effective way of incorporating something like that into the live show. Right. Without um, seeming like in- cheesy or. Um, exactly. Over- exactly. Uh, yeah. That's funny that you say gorillas because um, when you were talking about that geologist on radio and they were saying plastic world, I was like, plastic beach. Plastic beach. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> why did you name your album that? No, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, that's, uh, it's, look how long ago they did that. And uh, yeah. they were just miles ahead. But I, I quite like that idea of having that performative energy attached to this. Uh, Cause there's definitely a feeling that you create throughout the songs on this album. Um, there's a mood, yeah. if I can say, um, uh, so I oh, definitely good. think oh, phew, good. <laughs> phew, phew, you're not out the clear No, just, it was great, I had so much fun listening I think it was because I had no idea What to expect I'm, I like knew about Like I'm new uh, to Chicago I'm living here now, I just moved And mm-hmm. I kind of remember the big scene When you were like living here During the whole like post-animal thing And I just remember reading about stuff happening And that kind of, you know, as I said earlier, it's like you can hear that you were having loads of fun, which I think is something that you can't really take yourself too seriously because people will just, they'll yank you out of that, you know. They'll, totally. <laughs> they'll Couldn't bring agree you more. out. How, how many shows do you have planned? What's the whole I, forward plan I've for got, this? Sh- sure, yeah. I've pretty much, um, I've got uh, kind of a weekend residency here at uh, the Moroccan Lounge at the end of the month. And I'm planning 
we're in the final stages of planning a couple shows, I think elsewhere, but I, I, I'm not exactly sure on what dates. I can't really say yet, but there will be some more shows. And then I think come the new year, um, given some scheduling restraints and stuff, I'd love to kind of continue to play. I guess my main sort of, my main sort of goal is to get out there, kind of design this live show, play, play maybe, you know, like a handful of shows and then sort of just touch base with how I'm feeling about the whole thing. And, it's, right. it's, you know, cause I definitely, you know, want to be doing it for, you know, right reasons. Don't want to yeah. just, uh, on the pavement i kind of i mean have the luxury of being able to really do it because i just enjoy it i'm not really in it for any financial gain i just I just really enjoy it so that's kind of my uh i guess that's my goal is to just play the shows see where i'm at and then uh you know obviously constantly just be recording new music as well do you do you feel has anybody in the music industry have you chatted to anybody any of your idols that like on you know whilst you were touring or just even I don't know through pressy type functions and networking has any have you met anybody that like has given you advice or something? Well, um, I get recently no, but I mean because of all this you know press stuff is how sort of we got hooked up with twin peaks and i mean those guys were you know obviously so inspirational and also um katie and uh and andrew humphrey actually ended up uh, helping with some of the drum production on the record and stuff oh, okay. and uh yeah and then i got to do a little um, i got to do like a little uh interview i got to interview jay watson from uh Pond and Gun and Sam and Paula. Yeah, and that. Oh my was, God! How amazing yeah, is he, he? He is. Oh, he's the base. He's amazing, and he's so prolific in just creating content and you know pr- producing other other acts and stuff. So, you know, I, I was to die now with the people that I've already gotten to meet and hang and talk with and you know pick their brain. I could, I, I, I'd die happy. Me and actually all the post animal boys met at a Pond show. We oh, to Chicago. Wow. No way. Yeah. yeah, I know. Oh, how, when was that? How many years ago? But man, they played Lincoln Hall. Uh, oh, that's man, so I can't even remember. 2014, 15, maybe. I, I was working with Matt, guitar, Matt Williams, who plays guitar in the band. And uh, he said, I'm friends with these guys. I'm in this band. Uh, you should come and hang out. And so uh, me and my girlfriend at the time went and hung out with those guys at the show. Yeah. And I remember just being like, wow, who are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> who are these good dudes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But did they, so do you have just, uh, I'm just thinking now, do you have a favorite show that you've ever seen that you've thought, fuck, that's exactly the kind of artist I want to, I know you mentioned Daft Punk and Gorillaz earlier, but. Uh, yeah, this, this year, uh, one of the, bands i'm really into right now is this band parcels and i saw them at mm. the fonda yeah uh, this year in la and it they, they have uh certain electricity about them and they're just uh you know very cool guys great players great energy great vocals it's just like kind of a perfect storm of uh you know they sound like kind of like random access memories but like a different take very 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 something i'm pretty interested in so i think that's a band sort of worth watching another band uh i saw at the subterranean in chicago saw king gizzard maybe in 2015 or 15 (laughs) and it was one of the most face melting insanity shows i've ever seen i had no idea who the band was went with my friends 
and just got my face melted off. <laughs> Did you mosh? <laughs> Are you like a mosher? No, no, I'm not a, I'm a, I'm not a mosher. I'm like the type of guy who will stand kind of in the middle with okay. my arms, maybe cross, okay. and just be really into it personally. Okay, so like eyes closed, <laughs> nodding, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I can totally picture, yeah. Head. Yeah, it's always exactly. interesting to find out where people stand, but especially during a King Gizzard, uh, I, uh, yeah, especially during one of their shows, it's, it's kind of yeah. impossible. You, you, you don't even need to move because everybody around you will move your body for you. Ex- you know? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I was marching whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> yeah. When have you felt uh, most kind of gratified by following your, uh, how do I phrase this? Like by following your instincts. Is it through the acting and all the films that you are going to be releasing next year and all the TV shows that you've done? I think the most gratifying thing is the um, when I graduated from school, I stopped doing plays. I, I just kind of was doing commercials and like trying to get into the film business. But what I kind of, there's something so gratifying about the live experience so i kind of had that in the theater realm and then sort of transferred that over to the live music realm where there's this live electricity kind of going and i think that's sort of where the most gratifying moments happen are in are the live experiences where things kind of might seem like they're going wrong but it's it's a big kind of unexpected element um so that that can happen on set, you know, in acting stuff, you know, the most exciting stuff is unplanned stuff. And, and now I'm really excited to get back into the live performing mu- music wise uh, and sort of hopefully re-enter that because that is definitely something that I miss is that instant gratification of playing to a live audience. Yeah. What, what guitar are you going to take on the road? I'm taking, I got a Gretsch Corvette. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a great guitar. Oh my God. I really, so really love it. Yeah. It's in the shop right now. It's getting uh, taken care of. <laughs> what happened to it? <laughs> what happened? Oh, I, I flew with it a while ago and, uh, oh, and I had to check it and somebody, and they put some pressure on it and actually kind of broke the pick guard. So it's been taped for a long time. Yeah. Finally. Finally fixing it. Baby's getting a new face. That's amazing. Baby's getting a new face, yeah. Also, big old fat shout out to just all the Chicago music scene people. What an amazing music scene and wouldn't have made any of this music without the Chicago music scene, that's for sure. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and The Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and The Consequence Podcast Network, where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter 
or Instagram at tmptgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again and I miss you all week. again for listening to this week's episode here's a little reminder that StubHub is the best place to score the tickets you need whenever you need them backed by their 100% fan protect guarantee StubHub has the seats you want at the price you want to pay and they're never sold out so you can score tickets up to the last minute head to cosradio.lv slash StubHub that's cosradio.lv slash StubHub, and then enjoy the show. Consequence Podcast Network.